Namaste, my good people. My name is Kathy Patton. And my name is Reverend Odell Montgomery Cooper, and we are your hosts for Interruptions Disrupting the Silence. We welcome you. We have four remaining podcasts left, and we are here to promote the upcoming online production called Interruptions Disrupting the Silence, which now has a date to air on September 5th and 6th of 2020. Yes, yes. Our staff is rehearsing online and Zoom, and we're excited. However, during these podcasts, Kathy and I are going to have real talk with you, real talk discussions that are raised and issues that are raised in the podcast that talk about interruptions that have disrupted our lives and probably yours. We are laughing, we're talking, we're being very transparent about who we are and what's going on in our life and having some very good discussions. Uh, Last week, we even laughed at our gullibility on some things that we still believe that we were told when we were younger. However, the name of this podcast is very depictive of what happened in my life in 2016. My son, Coop, became another casualty of gun violence, and he was murdered by mistaken identity. Up until that time, my during that, that year, my family and I were happy. We were content, living a happy life. And as a mother, I could finally breathe, knowing that my children had finally discovered their niche in life until one day in April when he was murdered. And it began to unfold series of traumatic events in my life that we're going to talk about today and for the next upcoming podcast. And... In the production, the production covers four years of my life from the night my son was murdered until about last year. So you get a pretty good idea of what's been going on. Um, In these podcasts and in the production, I'm very transparent about talking about PTSD, depression, um, loss of job, uh, detected from relationships, um, suicidal ideation, and addiction. And also as a minister, I struggled with my faith and to try to understand and to cope with God's decision. So in addition to all of that, on his birth date, a year later, I suffered a brain aneurysm. I'm not going to go into a lot of that this time, but you'll learn a lot about what happened when you see the production. And in the midst of healing, we get a pandemic. So like everybody else, we're adjusting, we're pivoting, and we're dealing with another interruptions. And the purpose of the production and the podcast is I wanted to be transparent about what was going on in my life and to share that I finally learned to listen to my body, which most people we don't. We ignore the signs and the symptoms. So it's important for me to share my journey with you and how I finally broke the stigma of being silent, of inheritance traditions, don't air your dirty laundry, keep everything to yourself, societal stigmas on mental health so that others can do the same. And I shared the commonality of the fallout was what on my life was being interrupted when my child was diagnosed with autism. But before we get started, can you please press the like button, download and share this podcast because someone you know may need to hear this. In our last podcast, How Did I Get Here? 
Odell, and she shared a little bit about it. Um, we shared how our life plans and journey were interrupted by two very different traumas, but nonetheless moved each of us off our intended roads we planned to travel. When we discussed how we were raised, uh, church, our goals of college, love, successful jobs, and on and on, and just when we thought we could reach out and touch safety, our lives were interrupted, and we ended up in very unfamiliar territory, and we had to ask ourselves, how did I get here? How did I get here? Today, we have with us Miss Tamja Gray. Tamja is hi tam thank you for joining us tam is the lead clinical social worker for yale new haven health intensive outpatient psychiatry so tam first of all thank you for joining us thank you thank you for having me your job sounds like a lot of work wrapped into your title and I know your client population is vast, especially this time during COVID-19. So many people dealing with trauma of having to stay in, uh, dealing with loss of jobs and home, the uncertainty of the times that we're in and moving to and through. So, Tam, you viewed our last two podcasts, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you heard Odell share the story, the tragic story of the murder of her son. Uh, so just so you are aware, when we get questions um, about our podcast, we respond to them uh, directly. So some by email and some in personal conversations, but we always save one for the podcast. So I'm really glad you're here for this question that I'm about to pose to Odell. Oh, so me, huh? yes, it's going to you. It is going to you. <laughs> so, Odell, last week yes. you were very, very honest about dealing with addiction through yes. uh, your journey of healing. And one viewer asked, uh, as an ordained minister, aren't you embarrassed to speak about having drinks at happy hour versus, <laughs> versus relying on God in prayer to help you through the grief? Now, what do you say to <sighs> someone that asked that question? Um, I'm, first of all, I'm not surprised of that question. I, I've heard that question before. Um, but to answer the first part of that question was, was I embarrassed? Answer mm. is no. The purpose for me telling my story and the podcast and the production is to be transparent, to disrupt the silence of what we what we as people go through, regardless of our titles, but especially clergy, what we go through when we are sick or we have a disease. And I wanted to be transparent and tell this story and so that others can hear and not have these misconceptions that because we're a clergy, we're ordained that we have some protective uh, bubble with God that we don't feel things. Um, I'm human mm -hmm. and being human, I am not exempt from catching a cold, getting a disease, having a sickness, grief or trauma. So when I lost, when my son was murdered, my body, and I, I know this four years later in terms of language, is my body was traumatized. Mm -hmm. And my body responded to being, hearing the, the sudden news about my son, who I was just with 12 hours earlier, and then 12 hours later, he's murdered. 
Um, hearing that news, my body automatically responded to PTSD. And you, I didn't know that. I'm grieving. And then there's still grief that I'm going through and shock. So going through all of these emotions and then trying to continue to live and figure out what happened and go through an investigation, um, I started drinking. I had this hole in my heart and this pain that I could not numb. And what I did was I started drinking, started going to happy hour. I didn't, you know, there's no fun way to dress it up. I went to a local restaurant that I would frequently go to, but this time I'm sitting at the bar instead of sitting at a table. And you could tell I'm a fish out of water because people would look at me like, oh, you're at the bar. (laughs) You know, the Rev's at the bar. Um, But it's, I'm trying to, to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. And I kept drinking. I would do three nights a week. I'd have a maximum of three drinks. And that was my addiction. And I talk about it so that others would know that it's not, may not be common for us to do it. But I was responding to my body, trying to numb some pain. So that's what I did. And it wasn't until I ended up in counseling that my uh, counseling trauma specialist told me that the addiction, that the alcohol is exacerbating my depression Mm -hmm. and I needed to stop. Mm. So I didn't know that one was triggering the other. And so that's what happened. Am I embarrassed? No. Am I talking about it? Yes. Because I'm sure there are other clergy, other members out there of the cloth, regardless of their title, that are not exempt from being traumatized or being sick or getting Mm -hmm. disease. So, Tam, you heard Odell. Thank you, Odell, for sharing. Um, I hit you with that question. So I know it was difficult to respond to. So Tam, you heard Odell's response. First of all, you heard the question and then you heard the response. And so is this normal for Odell or anyone that has gone through that type of trauma to have dealt with it the way that she did? And then secondly, do you see this in observations of people who have suffered such a tragedy? Oh, definitely. It is definitely probably one of the most common responses to trauma. Um, Everyone will go through trauma and their response to it will be different. That's it depends on where they are in their lives. It depends on support systems. It depends on a lot of different factors. But yes, most if most people will bring substances into it because that is a numbing that mm-hmm. they don't want to feel they don't want to the the hurt the pain who would who would want to feel those things no right. so we just want to you know lay pass out wake up and <laughs> go by our day <laughs> you know? yeah and, yes. and so yes that's probably one of the most common responses so no i'm sorry so what what type of populations do you work with tam and in so, your daily job so and and do does it surround uh different types of trauma especially the type of trauma that odell went through 
Yes, definitely. So we work with all diagnoses we um, of major mental health and addiction. So we have um, we have clientele patients who are from schizophrenic to bipolar, anxiety, depression, of course, trauma, PTSD, and then with um, some dually diagnosed as well. So mm-hmm. they have all um, the dually diagnosed used some form of substance or addiction to um, get through, to get through what they're going through. Yeah. So have you worked with mothers that have suffered such tragedy as Odell has? Oh, yes. Over my 34 years, I have heard several stories um, similar to Odell's. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it comes from a place for most of them of just, like you said, um, this interrupted path of this wasn't what I planned. How do I get through it? And just a process of healing. Mm-hmm. Tim, and you're uh, working with mothers like me. Um, most of my complaints have come from people in the church. Mm. Um, my prejudices, the stereotypes from folks in the church. Right. Have you worked with the church population at all, pastors, clergy leaders? It just so happens, yes, when I was um, a clinician at um, Connecticut Mental Health Center um, through Demas, I was on a task force with two other social workers and we were given the task of going to local churches in New Haven. Um, some you probably heard of. <laughs> Most don't, of them. Don't mention their names. <laughs> all black churches in uh, New Haven. And our and our task was to meet with the um, the various ministers and reverends and bishops and you know whoever the head of the church was and just talk to them about mental health mm-hmm. and and what what is going on with people when they come to them in in this state of I, I don't know what to do I don't, I don't know emotionally how to handle these things and our job was to help them lead them to us to 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 the clinicians the treaters that can help them through this you know we get to a point um with our clergy that you know we have to tell people you just can't pray it away sometime you know no it's um that's i'm sure that was a very challenging meeting i'm sure there were more there were more men in the room than women. All men. <laughs> um, you know, during my journey, I've had um, more people in the church say, accuse me of not praying more, mm-hmm. um, to pray more and to have more faith. <clears throat> I found those comments offensive and hurtful because God was with me. And he and I, God and I was talking every day. So it wasn't about faith, but I learned that 
you know, my faith played a role in my healing, but there were other attributes of mental health that I had to do differently. That's right. Um, so yes. Uh, um, so Tam, there was a point during Odell's uh, healing, she decided to go back to work. Um, I can't say that I, I agreed with it, um, but I think it was something that she needed to do to kind of move forward. And so during her visits to me, even, and this is after she went back to work, she would come over and then, you know, sometimes she would just sit. She just needed to sit. It was a safe space for her. And I let her sit. And uh, at one point she held her head and she said, um, I should be better by now. Mm. And it made me so angry because I said to her, who is saying this right, to you? Right. Like who you should be. Be I mean, the fact that you're dressed and getting up and erect and found yourself over to my house is a miracle to me because That's for me right. going through that trauma, I know I probably would have still been rolled up in a ball somewhere in the corner of my room. But the fact that she, she had this pressure on herself to say, I should be better by now. So I mean, Odell, do you remember or going through that? At, I, at I do. I do remember because you bought it up last week. So you really, <laughs> was, you really were mad at me. I was. I was. Um, but, <laughs> I was mad at whoever was saying that to you. Right? What happens is yeah. that people don't want to know how you're doing while you're going through it. They just want you to get through it. Yeah. They want to know that you're okay on the other side. They want you to be able to tell the testimony. But what happens when everybody leaves and I'm going through this and still going through it? So people were saying you should be over, you should be better. You shouldn't Ooh. be crying every day. Every time I call you, you're still not feeling better. It's it's been a year. Um and I lost friends because they got tired of hearing I'm not better. And they wanted me to find the goodness in my day. And I couldn't find the goodness. They were like, well, God woke you up this morning and your daughter's healthy and your granddaughter's healthy. And you need to be thankful for that. And, you know, hold on to that. To me, yes, but it wasn't enough. It, right. didn't, it didn't take over the pain and the hole that I was feeling, to me, it wasn't enough. It was like God woke me up for another day just so that I could feel miserable. Wow. Um, so that's what happens. I bought into the hype. I bought into the, you're a strong black woman. You know, you're going to get through this and you should be through this. And I started believing it until I stopped believing it. Yeah. Tim, do you see other patients put that type of pressure on themselves or other people? I shouldn't say that she was putting it on herself because you heard her response that she started believing the hype. So what do you right. see in that when, when other people are interrupting her journey, what do you see with that? So most of the time when that happens, those are the people who are more un uncomfortable with not with you but with themselves they don't they don't want to see you suffer or go through all the things you're going through so they want you to stop just stop because you're making me upset and you are just you know i i need you to be the old odell 
that's who I want the old Odell and you know people do it all the time you know I I often in group will if I have a patient who's tearful or crying and there's someone passing them a, a, a box of tissue I'm saying no that that's your uncomfortableness with the tears she needs to cry. She needs to go through. Yes. This. Hence why we called this podcast a mother's cry. Yes. You know, we are during during this journey, you know, I, I cry. My, my son was murdered. I cry that he's not here. I cry because I have a memory or I don't have a memory. Um, I cry because the pain is still there. Um, what actually happened was after I had the brain aneurysm, I couldn't remember anything about my son. I would look at pictures and I could not remember where we were, what happened. And for a year, my daughter had to tell me a story about my son every day. Mm. And that was, and when I look back on it, it was hard for her, but I couldn't remember. And she tells me now, you don't remember this. And, you know, she'll tell me and I'm like, oh, I remember that. That wasn't him. That was you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I had a brain aneurysm, but I'm not, I haven't lost my faculties. (laughs) You know, and, and, and people ask me now when they listen to the podcast, they're like, I don't know how you're able to do this. I don't know how you're able to talk about your son week after week and and do the planning. I I just couldn't do it. And I'm not doing this by my strength. You know, this is truly the grace of God. I believe that this is where God wants me to be. So I'm fulfilling uh, the, the journey that God wants me to be on. But this is a to get here is still a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. a process of healing. It, it takes it, it takes time to get there. Definitely. Yes. And there are there are some who. I mean, we're at different places. There are mothers like me who are at different stages, and there is no wrong place to be. Nope. And there's no right. And there are some mothers who I, I had someone say, well, my mother lost her son and she didn't go through what you did. So I don't understand why you can't function. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So uh, this is for both of you, um, more, more so for Tam. So you were all mothers. And so, you know, years ago, you remember that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, right? Oh, Before yeah. you- Okay, right. And it was really clear from month one to month three, this is how you're going to feel. And then from month four to month six. And so, but with grieving, while I know that there's so many books and so many classes about the phases and stages of grief, Odell seemed to have put on herself a time frame. What do you do when you are working with people that want to have a time frame like when am I going to be better? I, I know there's an acceptance stage, there's an anger stage, but there's no, I mean, there's no book out there to say what to expect when you've lost a child. Exactly. 
Exactly. And and most of the time when I have um, patients that are going through that and they're going, I don't know why I don't feel better. My response is, why do you feel you need to feel better at this time? Who who told, told you, that? you that? Who gave you this time frame? Um, and they look at me like, well, you are healing and I'm telling you you're healing because you're working toward it. You are here, you're working with me. This is part of the process. It's going to take however much time it takes. And some people might be going through this the rest of their lives mm-hmm. in a process that yeah. there is no time frame for any of it. It really isn't. You know, I think that um, there's a, you know, that saying that we are really our our own worst enemy in this life. It's what we do to ourselves. You know, we all did it though. Oh yeah, I need to go to college. I need to graduate in four years. I need to, I should have my job by now. I should have, <laughs> what's going on? Why am I not making 80,000? I'm 30. <laughs> so we, we always have these pressures and, but that's what emotionally drains us. That's mm-hmm. what, that that's what basically kills us mm-hmm. is this thing that we're trying to be. And I don't understand where it came from. I heard you say one time and I wrote it down to remember it. You mm-hmm. said that we are as sick as our secrets. Exactly. So we keep the secrets. We're going to get sick. So hopefully this is a healing. So Kathy, before we move forward is, was this, did what happened to you when you had to deal with your daughter and autism? Um, did people treat you differently and expect you to adjust immediately to the situation? I, I think I expected that of myself. Okay. So yeah. for me, it was a little different in that um, when I found out about my daughter, I think my body and my mind immediately shut down, that I was just merely existing that I don't remember, there was a period of time that I, as you said, you couldn't remember your son uh, looking at pictures. And while our stories are very different, our response sounds the same, that there was just a period of my life that I felt I was just merely existing. And, And not until I, we had to make a really important decision for our daughter at the age of three and have to put her in a school that I just, you know, I broke down and that was my prayer time. And I prayed for about two, I prayed and cried. I just released. Mm. And I don't remember when I woke up that morning, it was if that I had lost 20 pounds. Uh, I could see the sun. I realized where I was. I wasn't just merely existing. I recognized me and the situation that I was in. And looking back, I had to say, what happened for these past two years. So it was kind of like an awakening for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, people don't under, they still don't understand my, our tears, a, mm-hmm. a parents' tears, the, the cries that we have. And it's been, as you talk about a, a process, I'm finally at a process, you know, four years later where I can laugh 
um, at some of the things that my son did. Mm -hmm. And I, I can now remember, you know, why this is why I have this pain, because we had such joy and fun and laughter. And you remember, Johnny was just funny. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he was comical. So I re I can remember. I can now laugh mm -hmm. at, at 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 some things that I couldn't laugh at before. So Kathy, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. So here's my question for you. Tell us a daughter story about your daughter. Oh, yeah. Give us ah. a daughter well, story. So I'm going to want to hear from both of you. Uh oh. Okay. Really funny and wonderful about each of your kids. Okay. You, Odell, you go first and then I'll go. Look at it. She put it on you. Uh, you know, no. you can remember. She always, she always does that. So, um, okay. Something funny. So in the production, when we would, you know, we were telling stories, there are great stories that I'm not going to talk about. I want you to see the production. One's about the red bandana and then him meeting Tony Bennett. So oh. that's in the production. <laughs> so, and you laugh just hearing about just it. Hear I, I'm here and laughing because I remember who Tony Bennett is. And so I'm aging myself. <laughs> yes. So I will leave those stories for the production, but uh, there is a story that I never forget. And being a single parent, um, I had challenges of raising teenagers. And at some point, both my kids were taller than me. So they're in high school and John didn't do something. Coop didn't do something in the house. And I'm like, OK, leave all your technology on the table. You know, I'm in charge. Leave it on the table. And, you know, he brings out different things. And I said, and your cell phone. And he flexed and he looks at me and says, um, technically, mom, he says, I paid for the cell phone. So I uh, keep it. Mm -mm. And I'm like, you know, you go, Ooh. you know, you know, my money. <laughs> I worked for it. You know, you don't get my cell phone. I'm like, okay, but you know, mothers, we're not going out like that. And I wasn't going out like that. So I said, okay. And I could see my daughter looking at him like, dude, you're going to pay for that one. I don't know how, but you're going to pay for it. So I went upstairs and I'm processing how I'm going to win because mothers need to win. And I said, all right. I called the the, the, the phone service and said, I can't find this phone. Can you please shut off the service? And I said, and I'll let you know when I find it. So the next morning, Saturday morning, I called Jackie. I called my daughter on her phone so he could hear her phone ringing. And I told her to call me so he could hear my phone ringing. So he comes out with his phone in his hand and he goes, mom, something's wrong with my phone. You know, you all's phone is working, but I don't have a dial tone. And I said, you may have paid for the phone, but I paid for the service. <laughs> and was like, oh, he was like, you got it. You know? And as a single as a single parent, I had to be creative in That's disciplining right. my children. And that That's was funny. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, I love it. 
I that's my it. that's my story. <laughs> mommy power. Mommy power, yes. <laughs> and and you know what? And you're right, mommy power, because we always think that we have to make the the decisions for our children, right? right? And so for my story, our goal for our daughter was that her life would be as similar to her brothers as it possibly could be. They're about two and a half years apart. And there was a point in her life where we were passing um, by the major high school in our city and is one mega high school in our city, which is really, really large. And up until that point, she was in contained classrooms and she kept riding by that high school and saying, mommy, I wanna go to that high school. And I'm like, you know, that's a really big school. I don't think I don't think you want to go there. She's no, I do want to go to the point where I stopped going by the school because I didn't want her to ask me about going to the school anymore. And I I forgot one day and drove by the school again. And she's like, Mommy, I want to go to that school. And I said, Oh my God. I said, Why do you want to go to such a big school? She said, Well, my brother went to a big high school. Why can't I go to a big and so wanting to adhere to her wishes because she should have a part and a say in her life. And so wanting to adhere to her wishes, my husband and I worked with the school to try and get her into the school. It's huge. And so I, I cried. I cried the first day of school. I cried every day. I cry, I cry all the time. And it's so the first day of school. Now, luckily, my my husband had a Mason brother that worked in the school. And I was telling him, you better watch my baby and make sure nothing happens to her. And, and she was just fine. She walked in there like she had a uh, less of a care in the world. And and so I was concerned because just her matriculating into some of the classes, although she was in contained, she still went to some of the other main classroom. And um, she's one, you all know her, um, she's very social and she's one that she loves her birthday, loves her birthday. And here's my worry. She started in September and then for her birthday, she kept saying, I told all my friends about my birthday. And I said, well, you know, in high school, they don't really do parties like they did in (laughs) other school. Um, So you might not get a party in this school and I can't bring cupcakes. You can't kind of do that to high school. And why did she come home on the day of her birthday? And when I tell you she had a grocery bag of gifts and cupcakes and cookies. And so everybody in the school had brought her gifts. And so I learned to shut up. And and realized that this is something she wanted. She made it her own. Everybody knew her by the time she graduated the school and celebrated her birthday with her every single year. And so uh, the joke was on me. <laughs> you know, that's my kind of girl. That's, yes. that's you know, I wanted I wanted both my kids to go to that high school because it was big. Yeah. I went to a big high school, so I remember the football games and basketball games, yeah. and I wanted them to have that experience. And my son looked at me and said, "You want me to get shot?" And I'm like, oh, oh no. So they both ended up going to a small school, a mm-hmm. smaller school. Now, 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 Tam, you have a son, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about a mother's cry. No, oh, yes. <laughs> and, and it pretty much is, um, you know, 
<laughs> I think I think moms, we we're that's it's a natural thing. They're going to bring us tears. You know, um my son is healthy and can go to college, went to college. He told me the other day, where this is his third year finishing. And he's like, I think I'm done with this. I was like, what? <laughs> and, and, and heartbroken I was. But again, realizing that the pain of it was because it was my plan. And he's interrupting my plan. <laughs> and um, it isn't about me. And mm -hmm. but it's still just as painful and hurt. I I I had him all set. He was going to college. He was gonna, you know, graduate. He was gonna pledge a, a, a fraternity and get a good job and get a condo and you know and how dare you <laughs> what kathy does this sound like our last week podcast it sounds exactly <laughs> like our last week podcast it does odell shared how we both have very common uh upbringings and you have they had a plan for us and we weren't supposed to veer from that plan or our life but we weren't prepared for anything to interrupt what we already had planned. And that okay. was the tragedy of it. And uh, when Odell uh, talked to me about being her partner on the podcast and telling me what it was gonna be about, and I said, Odell, you know, my story is very different than yours. Yours was such a tragedy. Uh, she said, but you still had a loss. You yeah. and your mind um, wanted a daughter who who you knew would get married and have grandchildren for you and that got interrupted. Yeah. And so loss, loss is loss. Is, have you seen that, Tam? Have you dealt with that before? A loss is a loss. I mean, there's is there levels of loss or is it just loss? Well, hold on before you answer that question, Tam. Uh -huh. So when your son said he wasn't going back to college, what did you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, well, what you honestly, how could you do this to me? <laughs> you know, how could you do this to me? I love it. And and uh, you know what? If you're not gonna do what I want you to do, then you need to come home. And you need. And he's like, <laughs> what are you talking like? Because you know, um, Kathy mentioned earlier the book, "What to Expect When Expecting." Unfortunately, I think it stopped at like toddler age. I, I, <laughs> it's the book for, you know, 18, 19, 20. That's right. <laughs> you know, so yeah. As far as, um, as far as loss, loss is really just grief kind of just combined grief and and you got to remember it it you know it's it's the process of grieving for anything anything mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. loss odell's loss people who've had beautiful homes and lost their job and and now living on that's grief mm -hmm. so it's going to be just as painful um, you know, because it wasn't the plan. It really wasn't the plan. 
you're you're right, and I'm sure you're seeing a lot of it with COVID. Oh, um, yeah. I had to explain to a few um, people that I was submitting my grant for that, and the question was: Is your proposal is interruption related to COVID? It's like yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's another layer another layer of trauma. Exactly. You know, we're still dealing with job loss, grief, yes. because we can't do, we can't resume the life that we used to have. Um, life is going to look very different when we can finally reemerge back into society. And grief is grief. And on top of everything else that someone's going through, grief, death, um, job loss. And some people are, I'm sure you're seeing it, um, they're drinking more. They've in okay. increased on their addiction because there's no outlet. <laughs> they're living with their abusers because yes. there's no outlet. Um, some women was like, oh, I can't wait for my husband to leave because, mm. you know, now I have space to breathe and he's not leaving the house. Or the children are now witnessing and seeing the stress, the arguments, the trauma in the house, and there's no outlet. Exactly. So this COVID has been another layer of, of stress. And I'm sure, you know, do you all get extra funding for this? Tim? No extra funding. Um, we have had the privilege, though, of trying to redesign our program, though, that okay. we can go, you know, they can't come to us. So we've done all kind of telehealth services where, you know, on Zoom and my charts and we're yeah. doing everything to try to reach people. And you're absolutely right, because this right here was not planned and no <laughs> one was prepared and no one people and grief is that you go through all those stages, those that anger, yes. that guilt. That, that, you know, all that stuff of how could I have done something different yes. to make this better for myself? Yeah. And so. the, in the midst of planning interruptions, Kathy was a part of this. It was going to be a stage production mm -hmm. and oh, we we're going yeah. to have it at Bergamo's theater. Uh, August 28th and 29th was the weekend we had planned that last weekend in August, stage production. And I had my mindset, you know, I was planning for that. Then COVID happened and no, and grants were denied and because people needed food, they needed money for rent and shelter. So there were other emergencies other than a stage production coming in August. And then I was allowed to resubmit my grants, but they're like, we can't, now there's no theater. So we can't have theater. So it was interrupted again. And I'm talking to Kathy. I'm like, interruptions has been interrupted. So I'm, I'm praying, knowing that this is something that God wanted us to do. And it's how do you do this? So I had to learn how to deliver this platform online and reinvent again and again and then how to find cast uh nobody's around <laughs> college mm -hmm. 
closed. <laughs> Jobs have closed. How do you reach people? Um, there's no one to go to in churches because they're closed. So trying to network to find cast was even more challenging. Um, so interruption, talk about crying. I'm like, I, I can't believe this. And I remember people saying, well, I guess you're not going to do it. And I'm like, no, I'm moving forward. This is, I, I believe this is a timely message, a godly message. And then it was, well, you can't talk about gun violence. And then the interruption happened where I had to, I was asked to downplay the gun violence and just talk about trauma. Don't call it urban trauma. And then Black Lives Matter happened. And now they're like, okay, talk about gun violence. Talk about no. trauma. <laughs> so it's, it's all I know is to be true to the story. That's right. My story. It is and, your story. And my story is a story of gun violence, urban trauma, mental health, stereotypes, stigmas that we have in our community, and being able to have a network of support. Um, but Kathy, I have a question for you. This question did not uh -oh. come through, you know, it did not come through any chats. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that lie. Uh. So, uh, I do have one for you. We talk about interruptions. You mentioned in church one Sunday that you were diagnosed with MS. Mm. And my heart just was just like, oh my goodness, my friend, that's an interruption. But like you look good on the outside. So talk to us about what's going on on the inside with you and how are you dealing with that? Th well, thank you for asking. You know, I believe that as you, you have to share your story. And for me, when I initially heard it, I think there were tears because I wasn't expecting it and didn't know which way to turn. Um, since the onset of the MS and the initial doctor, I have since switched to a, a better doctor. So uh, one that is really taking really good care of me. So I've learned to um, live with it, but it's not something that I feel like I'm existing with. Uh, it's different for me because after uh, having the diagnosis of my daughter having autism, I felt like if I could face that, then anything that came after that for me was not going to be as hard of a trial. When uh, I lost both of my parents, I feel that God had set up my life for me uh, to have a child that had difficulties and illnesses so that it would better prepare me to deal with the loss of both of my parents nine months apart. I don't think if I had dealt with, not had dealt with my daughter being ill, that I would not have been able to deal with the loss of my parents. I would not have been that strong. And so now going through that process and then the onset of the MS, honestly, it just felt like, okay, here's another one. I got it, but I had someone, other people that needed me and let me have my cry, but I need to keep moving. I needed to just keep moving. Right, right. Wow. Is that wow. normal, Tim? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, um, 
just in case I, I you know, don't get to say that I, I just want to thank you both for having me um, join oh. you both today. It was an honor and a privilege. Um, I just want to commend both of you for sharing your stories. It can be it could be so empowering and, and inspirational to hear how how such resiliency can 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 happen. You all are just like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> it is amazing. And you don't yeah. know this, um, but how your stories are going to be an inspiration for for other people who are stuck and feeling hopeless. Because if I hear your story, I go, oh my God, look how look how she's doing this. Mm -hmm. It will make me grace. It will make someone feel better. So so powerful. It is powerful. And that's how we heal. We tell our stories. We move and we and we keep functioning. You know, in our IOP program, I tell my patients all the time, I can't heal you in four to six weeks, because that's all I get. I'm not going to completely heal you. It is Mm. not enough time. But my job is to give you skills, to give you some type of skills to build on that will help you with those distressed moods and that dysregulation enough to get up, enough to take your shower, enough to eat, enough to function and keep moving. That's mm-hmm. my job. And, and you that's, all are doing it excellently. Where, you know, the grace of, I, I always say the grace of God. Um, I was asked to teach a class last year, um, University of Bridgeport. And the class was Authentic Happiness. And I was reading a book by Martin Seligman. And he talked about the book is called Authentic Happiness. And the person that taught the class prior was a PhD in counseling and psychology. And I'm reading over her notes. She had theories and concepts and I'm recovering from a brain aneurysm. So I couldn't, like, I don't know this. I can't learn this and teach this. So I tried to find a way to teach this class to adult learners that was relevant for me. And as I was talking to them, I said, you know, in this book, it talks about as adults, we have life experiences from our faith, our family, our network, our upbringing, that something that we've learned in our past, we've experienced that will help get us through hard times. And as I was teaching it, I said, I want to be able to help you deal with interruptions in your life. And when I said that, that's when I knew that's how I came up with the name of this production, Interruptions. And I called the director and I said, Mm -hmm. I know you said we can't name the production till later. She was (laughs) like, here she go. Here goes this book. And I said, it's it's called Interruptions. Mm-hmm. And they liked it. And Kathy, what you talked about is that you had already gone through 
some 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 grief and trauma in your mm-hmm. life that was challenging and it prepared you yeah. and you knew how to deal with something which it'd be huge for others but mm-hmm. minor for you now tim i know that you watched the the first two production there was a young lady that played odell's daughter in the first one and she was phenomenal and she talked about having a meeting with her daughter, which I know uh, her daughter well, um, but I wish you could meet her. Uh, she she is wonderful. Um, now, what do you, in terms of um, her daughter, what do you, what would you expect? I mean, she had she had lost her brother, and then all of a sudden, a year later, her mother's going through an aneurysm. Ooh, um, you know. I heard Odell talk about her daughter at one point having to tell all the stories about her son and and giving her the memories. And then you actually, Kathy, mentioned your son. And, and I was wondering how both your kids handled Odell, your daughter handling the loss of her brother and Kathy, how did your son handle having a younger sister who is autistic? And 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 how did they heal? Or mm-hmm. are they still healing? Well, I'll I'll go for me. My daughter is still healing and as she says that was her brother. And in the production, I, I tell the story that when my daughter was born, she was annoying and uh, <laughs> she needed somebody to be with. So we had another child. So my son was born for her. Um, so she's, as, as she says, they could have bought me a dog, but, <laughs> they gave, but they gave me a brother and she, took care of her brother. She loved her brother. They were just that close. So she's still healing. She's still going through it. And she has had you get sick. Yes. That had to be scary. Uh, Still is. She still plays the mother role. I have to tell her to back up. (laughs) And she wouldn't even let me do this podcast unless I had a host. She said, you can't do it. (laughs) So she's the mother. I was just going to say that. We do. We flip these roles, right? And now all of a sudden she's the mother. She's the mother. Yeah. 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 And how's your son? Yeah. So for me, um, I I share with you that I lost track of time in terms of really not recognizing two years of my life when uh, my daughter was initially diagnosed. And I and I thought about it one day and I said, oh, my God, my son, what have I done to him over these past two years? So we've since then, we've had very honest conversations. And although he was young, I, I spoke to him at a way that he would understand that mommy doesn't mean to ignore you. I know your sister has a lot of attention coming into the house every day, but if you ever feel like I'm not paying attention to you, you pull me aside and say, I need to talk to you or I need you mommy or I need attention. So we've learned to have different types of conversations with him, but I feel he has a sense of loss because it's not, his sister is not the one that he can teach to drive or he can't take her and hang out and go out to a, you know, they can go to a movie 
movie, but it's not that normal sister. Although she adores him, it's not that nor he he feels that loss of not having that normal brother sister relationship. Yeah. So I know he has that sense of loss. It's I, I can imagine. Jackie says to me now, I wasn't meant to be the only child. Um, I wasn't meant to because now it's who's going to clean the gutters, who's cutting the grass, and she's like, nope. <laughs> so we we have our challenges, and you know I understand your 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 son. You know the normalcy. This is a new. This is a as I say a new normal, a different normal for all of yeah, us. That's right. You know. Um, you talked about that earlier when you were like, I, why don't I feel better? Why can't I feel better? And I, that's exactly what happens in depression. It starts to feel normal. This is, this is the new you and it's hard to get through. Um, yes. Having a good day doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel normal. Oh, uh, I don't know what a new good day is, but it's um, I'm, I, I, I work on them. So, yeah. Tam, we thank you um, for coming on board and joining us today. We have a whole segment talking about um, PTSD and stress and addictions. And we actually titled it, Who Wants to Talk About That? <laughs> but we um we have a nice uh segment that we're going to address that piece with but we are running close to time and yes. next already? i know already i know <laughs> uh, next week we have a very interesting conversation kathy we have yes. Uh, a member from Connect who's on the Connect team with me. He's the lawyer, Phil Kent, who represented us in court to shut down Slice Pizza Bar. And the detective who was assigned to my son's case, um, who gave us some of the information, mm -hmm. gave us all the information we needed to help change that Hamden community when I decided that I wanted to shut down Slice to prevent another mother from waking up the way that I did. Um, and that was our challenge. And, you know, so often we become immune to black on black crimes. And I had become immune to it, except for this time I said no more. It's time to do something different. So next week they are our guest. And I'll say it here and we'll say it again. This does not mean that Kathy and I do not support Black Lives Matter. No. We do support Black Lives Matter. We believe in systemic racism. <laughs> we do support and understand police brutality. It's just that we're having a different conversation next week of partnership, community mm -hmm. partnership with Hamden Mayor, Hamden Police, and the community to shut down a facility that was toxic in the Hamden area. Mm. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, yeah. And we will also be responding to questions that come into our podcast. Uh, so please continue to send in the questions. Uh, I am looking forward to next week. And again, I share Odell with you and thanking Tam for coming on. And thank you again. <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to say thank you, Soroy, Tam. Oh, no. I don't think that was in the script. <laughs> No, I don't remember us discussing that. You see my background? Look, I'm about to do a little oop or something. Okay. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Thank you. And Odell, as you always, as, as I always say, um, we do these podcasts because we understand interruptions. And if you want to make God laugh, just tell him what you have planned. For your, absolutely. Love it. And my closing is no matter how dark the clouds may seem in your life, when you rise above them, the sun is always shining. Thank you. Look forward to hearing, seeing everybody next week. Good night. Good night.